This is the Meet Me at the Spot podcast, where we meet at the intersections of sexual health and the world around us. Each week, we will discuss sexual health current events, politics, social justice issues, and more. Get excited because it is time to start the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Meet Me at the Spot. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm not even going to start off with anything else but just introducing our amazing guest this week, a teacher and an author. This week's guest is Rev Carla, who is an ordained interfaith and inner spiritual minister. Rev Carla helps people recover from religious trauma, reclaim their spirituality, and live with purpose and authenticity. She has a following of over 700,000 followers across several social media platforms where she uses her creativity, wit, inspiration, and her sass to connect with and teach followers. Her videos and writings have been seen and shared by millions. After joining social media, Rev Carla quickly became the leader in the deconstructing conversation, teaching about deconstructing from Christianity, religious trauma, the spiritual but not religious path, and the dangers of Christian nationalism. And, exciting, she has her debut book, Deconstructing, Leaving Church, Finding Faith, which is set for release in 2024. This was a delight to have this conversation, and I am truly so excited for uh, this week's episode with Rev Carla. So let's just jump on in. All right, everyone. Welcome, Rev Carla, to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you. I am honored to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Absolutely. Um, so if you, I know your content. I've been following you on, on social media for a while, um, and I absolutely adore your content so much. Um, but uh, if you could take a second and tell the audience and the listeners who you are, a little bit about you. Absolutely. Be happy to do that. So uh, I go by Rev Carla on the social media platforms. You can find me on every place except X. Um, and so, um, <laughs> and it really was kind of a an organic thing for me that I decided that I needed, even though I'm part of the, the boomer generation, I kind of figured out that Social media was going to be a platform that was going to um, that was going to work for me, besides just doing the traditional blogs and and things like that. So I started posting a lot of my writings on uh, social media and started to gain traction that way. And I think part of it was because I started to talk about things that people were in had had conversations with themselves, but not necessarily outside of their um, circle of influence and certainly not within their church. And what I was talking about was um, things related to questioning your faith, questioning your religious heritage, deconstructing from things that no longer served your highest good. And on the surface, those things kind of sound selfish and self-serving because that again is part of the indoctrination of the very thing that you feel like you it's time to reject 
and time to move beyond. You start to feel this this discomfort. So I I was very open and vulnerable and writing about that. And so many people uh, resonated with that. And out like so many people, I joined um, TikTok during the pandemic at the urging mm-hmm. of one of my grandchildren and um, was immediately, I mean, I think within six weeks, I had a video that that now has over, I don't know, 3 million views. Maybe I don't know how big my, my biggest, biggest uh, one is. I think there's one over 5 million, but um, I had within three weeks had a hundred thousand followers and uh, just amazed at the response. And it was it, for something that I constantly, that I had been thinking about and processing for so long, which was being spiritual, but not religious. And I thought mm-hmm. no one's really going to understand either. People are going to be very tired of that, or they're not going to understand what that concept is. I just decided to put a video out there about it. And that really hit a nerve with people. Mm-hmm. That was what really started the whole um, movement with me and uh, TikToks primarily, but I, you know, I still have, you know, a, lar- a larger following on Instagram and Facebook and finding people who, uh, who need to feel that validation that it's okay to disconnect, to question, to look at different ways that you can um, just reclaim your spirituality, but also, what is your spiritual identity outside of your religious heritage? And those are the things that I, I write about. And that's how I uh, came to social media. And uh, from, uh, you know, coming from a uh, my religious heritage is Southern Baptist. So I've come a long way. <laughs> you think about where I started as Southern Baptist, which basically says that, you know, women can't be pastors and women can only teach other women and children. I certainly have come a long way from having a, a large platform on social media where I'm okay to to use my voice and help people um, find their spiritual identity and live with authenticity. So that's that's kind of a, a roundabout way of of uh, explaining who I am and what I do in the social media realm. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, and I love your social media platform. And um, just for folks to uh, kind of have some context. So I, uh, I grew up very Catholic, went to Catholic school, um, grew up very much in the Catholic church. My first marriage was in the Catholic church. Um, and so for me, um, separating spirituality and religious ideologies or, or religion in, in general um, has always been kind of difficult uh, because I think the messaging for me has always been they're one and the same, um, mm-hmm. that spirituality is intertwined with your faith or your religion. Um, and so I'm hoping you can talk a little bit about your perspective on the differences between spirituality and, and religion or religious ideologies or faith or whatever term, you know, is, is best used. Yeah. I'd be happy to talk about that because I think that probably the number one comment that I'm going to respond to is someone who says, um, 
I, I, I love you, Rev Carla. You're a deeply religious person. And like, mm, mm, let, let me, let me, let's back up here. <laughs> I, I'm not religious, but what happens is oftentimes, and this is very intentional, especially for those of us who have grown up um, within a uh, high control, oftentimes a high structured um, evangelical conservative, and I'm primarily talking about Christianity because that that's my that's my experience. That's what I know. But this can happen in in different organized religion. But this teaching is is intentional. That basically is that your spirituality is contingent upon your proximity to your religious indoctrination, and so. Ooh. You have been raised in this Christian-centric model or framework. That means that without much being spoken, you the indoctrination teaches you or implies that the only way you can be spiritual is through your connection through organized religion. And so the, the two things start to blend. But the mm. most simplest way to understand spirituality and religion is is here's the way I explain it in its purest form I can't I can't do anything simple I have to do it in the way that as my husband says <laughs> I take everybody to Canada Canada we're in the Midwest we take everybody to Canada by what by way of Texas <laughs> so that's what we're gonna do but um in its purest form in its most sacred form Religion should be the gatekeeper, uh, the, the, the sacred gatekeeper of someone's soul or spirituality. So in other words, if they took their role seriously to understand that as the leaders and the organizers of organized religion, your primary most highest order of sacredness is to nurture and guard an individual's spirituality and help them understand not only their identity and their um, the benefits of being in spiritual community, but also who they are as an individual. Because spirituality is an individual experience. Spirituality is not contingent upon religion's approval. Spirituality is something that is as unique as our DNA, as unique as our fingerprints. So if, if religion understood that and really embraced that, they would then in turn be helping me figure out who I am as an individual first and foremost, and then how I am welcomed and integrated into a spiritual community. Mm. But what has happened with organized religion is that it has put, it has put its needs ahead of the individual's individual spirituality. And so perpetuation of the institution, how it's going to be funded how it's going to be staffed by unpaid labor labor through the volunteer services of its congregants, how mm -hmm. it's going to continue to have this mass, um, mass following of people who are silently obedient 
and submissive to the church authority in order to make sure that the primary goal is to make sure that the church continues to exist. So the the best way to do that is to blur the lines between what spirituality is and what religion should be. So that Mm. to me is intentional, especially in the high control Mm -hmm. religious experience. But when you can extract yourself from that, and even if it's just for a season, so that that's one of the things I always I always say to people, my story is my story. My story, my deconstructing story took me out of the church doors forever. Mm-hmm. I'm spiritual, but not religious. I'm a non-conforming Christian, which means I no longer adhere to any of the Christian doctrine that's inside organi- the organized construct or organized framework of Christianity. However, I still hold on to that identity because it's part of my religious heritage. So I hold on to that identity, but I no longer conform to that organized religion. So I now have been extracted from that, but that's what I needed to do for my healing journey. Uh, some people will will deconstruct from a high-control, fundamentalist, conservative-type religion. And then once they feel spiritually empowered, they can then return back return to their spiritual community, a different version of themselves, more confident, Mm. not afraid to stand in their truth. They're not going to conform to that kind of ideology just for the sake of the perpetuation of the institution. But in other words, they won't be welcomed back into their former life, nor do they want to go there. Mm. So you see, you see many levels of deconstructing. For me, it was leaving organized religion forever. And now I do know enough about this human experience to say never say never. But where <laughs> I am right now, it feels pretty permanent to me. And the data would also confirm that many of us are leaving uh, organized religion and we're not returning. Um, the data continues to show that many people. Um, are leaving church and that and choosing to do so permanently. But that is not, I don't proselytize that to help somebody understand what it means to hold on to your spirituality. But if it, if it helps you to deconstruct from some of the ideology that's been harmful to you so that you can start to understand how uniquely sacred your spirituality is, and what is it that you need to feed your soul? Then take a season away from that so that you understand that from a perspective of your unique spirituality. And then once you have you have found your feet, you've reclaimed your spirituality, you understand what it means to live spiritually empowered and to live this, this spiritually authentic life. If you feel like you want to be back into some kind of community, then you go search it out. But for so many of us, we just kind of we kind of go into this comfortable place and say, "Okay, my spirituality is so connected to my identity inside the community that that is my spirituality. Mm -hmm. When in reality, I believe that that's not what it was ever supposed to be in the first place. So like I said, I'm just going to take you to Canada the long way, but that is how I like to explain what the difference is is between spirituality and religion. 
No, I I love that. And listen, take us a long way. Um, we get to see <laughs> some beautiful sights that Thank we you. would not have other seen, otherwise seen. So, um, so I don't mind one bit. And I think you made a, a lot of really like important points, you know, um, for me in thinking about the differences because you know, I, I have an idea of the differences, but that, you know, obviously it's different for everybody. And, um, what spirituality means to me may be different for, you know, for you and for everybody listening to this podcast. Um, and I think it's really, um, it's really great in the way that, you know, you've, you've talked about organized religion, um, not really putting like that individuality and that individual experience with spirituality first. And then like, how do I take Holly? How do I take Carla who are individuals in their spiritual journeys? And how do we see how they come together to better our church, to better our community? And how can we use their journey to just, um, to help them? You know, how can we use our church to help them on their journey? But that's not, really how organized religion works exactly um because then you know that that would defeat a lot of the unfortunate purposes that organized religion um has especially in this country but across the world of course um and so i am curious to your thoughts on like christian nationalism on the rise in our country. Well, you, you know, I've got thoughts on that. If you if you see <laughs> about every fifth video, I try not to go too crazy, too intensely into any one subject. But sometimes, if the elevation it, to me it uh, is so above guarded, like crisis point, it feels like that's mm-hmm. what a lot of my content should should be about. So. Um, and as I was listening to you talk about, you know, the difference between organized religion and uh, primarily Christianity and um, spirituality, one thing is, you know, related to your following as well, is this notion about about religious patriarchy mm-hmm. and how that has influenced purity culture, but also then that leads to Christian nationalism. Because all these roads point back to religious patriarchy. All of this is entrenched in religious patri- Christian patriarchy. That's mm-hmm. what this is all about. So when we, you, you, it is inarguable, it is inarguable that Christianity has been weaponized in our country's history repeatedly to justify the annihilation of the rights of the um, Native Americans, the rights of enslaved Black people, the rights of women. Um, And then you, you take it up to the 50s and 60s when you start to see the tension again. And then you start to see this in this without making this a three-hour podcast, where you start to see this in- intentional plotting that's that culminated into Ronald Reagan, Jerry Falwell, Mitch McConnell, that era of this, this is how our 50-year our plan that we're going to do, that we're going to create to ensure that our country 
will solidly turn into this Christian nationalist state that will ensure the white Christian man will be the only one ever in power. It's inarguable. Whether or not you, even if you support it, even if you say, well, what's wrong with that? The plan has been there for 50, 60 years. If you do any search on the moral majority, if you do any search on the family, if you do any search related to the rise of Ronald Reagan and Mitch McConnell and um, Jerry Falwell, you can see how they strategically used primarily the Southern Baptist Convention because they knew that's where the uh, uh, evangelicals were. And prior to 1970, even before, even after Roe v. Wade, Southern Baptists had not taken a position against abortion. Southern Baptists up until 1976 said that it was between a woman and her doctor. It was part of their doctrine. And so you see a, a monumental shift because they needed to find a trigger point that would ignite an entire group of people to come together. And you start to see a rise in Christian nationalism at that point. So it's with with I have to admit that this is a an effective campaign because it's worked. What we didn't see, those of us who have been advocating and for for equal rights, for human justice, social justice and equity, we were either complacent, uh, blind to it, lazy to it, whatever it was like, no, it could never be that bad Or, or even in denial a little bit about how severely they would take the annihilation of human rights to ensure that they remain in power. So I don't think any of us really accurately predicted, except I think Frank Zappa, of all people, I saw an article, I'm sorry, I saw a video of him, I believe it was from the 80s, where he talked about this, and people laughed at him. Mm -hmm. And he said, you need to be careful, you need to watch what's happening with the Christians. They have a plan to take over this country. And people are like, yeah, right. And so I don't, I'm not an alarmist. I'm very cautious by nature, but I'm not an alarmist. But I am at an alarmist state right now because I think we should take this threat very, very seriously. That Christian nationalism is not just about ensuring that the white Christian man will remain in power. It's about completely um, destroying our way of life. When I say our way of life, I mean, it is about turning us into an authoritarian um, nation where the things that we, that create the framework for our democracy will be completely annihilated. Now the, 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 uh, the lesser evil of the coin is if you look at, you know, Donald Trump, we're looking at a dictatorship. This mm-hmm. is about him being self-serving. That's why I think even Republicans, you know, Democrats aren't the one who's trying to get him off the ballots. So those are Republicans that have, have been trying that have created this movement to try to get him off the ballot because they don't know what to do with him. 
But when you look at the Mike Pence's and the Mike Johnson's and the Nikki Haley's and uh, Ron DeSantis, they are equally as dangerous because Christian nationalism is still an authoritarian type movement that sees nothing wrong with equating this white, it's really a white Christian movement to ensure that they remain in power and they can whitewash it however however they want. So you're going to have to tune in next week for part two of my conversation with Rev Carla. And trust me, you do not want to miss part two. It is really good. As always, in the show notes will be all of the information from today's episode, including ways to connect with Rev Carla and ways to support this show and the work that I do. Please follow me over on Instagram, meet me at the Spot Podcast. I'm over on TikTok at That Sex Educator, and I post lots of good stuff as much as I possibly can. Until next week, bye! Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Make sure you're following me on Instagram, Meet Me at the Spot Podcast. Do you love the show and want to support the podcast? Well, check out the show notes for all the ways to support the work I do. All links related to today's episode can also be found in the show notes. Help others find this podcast by following me and leaving a review. And also spread the word on social media. See you next week when we meet at the spot.